Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. So this morning, I want to speak just a little bit about uh, something that I've been learning over the past decade or so, and it's about, you know, we say in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, the Lord Jesus himself taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth in my life as it is in heaven. Amen? And we've been praying that. That's something that we're taught as Christians. But there's something that happens in our lives, and I I use the word we get triggered. There's actually programming. Uh, Our brain is an amazing organ. Our our lives are just, just amazing. God has made us in a mysterious, marvelous way. But you know, you can have the desire to want to do the will of God, to do what God wants you to do, but when you get triggered, when you walk in anxiety, or when something happens, you have this thing that I call the autopilot, or it's a subconscious, it's, it's, it's kind of a programming that takes over, and all of a sudden, you might not even be aware of it, but you're not responding the way Jesus would have you respond. You're actually responding out of maybe anger, out of frustration, out of anxiety, out of fear, whatever it is. And I meet so many Christians, my life included, where there's things that we want to do and we're disempowered and can't do it. And so this morning, I want to talk about uh, guiding principles and I want to talk about how God has called us to live a thoughtful and reflective life rather than us just being reactionary just being controlled by our reactions. God wants to strengthen us by the Holy Spirit and help us. He's actually given us weapons or tools or skills that will disempower the strongholds that hold our lives, those default ways of being that hinder us from living the life that you and I were designed to live in the Lord Jesus Christ. So turn, first of all, to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. The Lord is actively at work in our lives to transform us. He is at work by the presence of his Holy Spirit so that we could experience his wholeness. And so Paul says in this passage that he's convinced, he is aware that God is going to finish the good work that he started in us. I want you to know this morning, I have great faith for your life. I have great faith in your life because of who Jesus is toward you. I have great faith in in what Jesus can do through his spirit to disempower strongholds or to disempower those ways that are not Christ-like. Our Father is committed to forming in us the nature of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says that. And as we journey with the Lord, what he's going to do is he's going to put his finger on things in your life. It's not out of judgment. It's not out of anger. It's not out of frustration. But he's going to put his finger on things in your life, attitudes, reactions that are not aligned with the way of Jesus. And he's wanting to empower you by the gift, by the help, by the work of the Holy Spirit that you might be transformed. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I want to talk about about how God does that. There are strongholds, there are pretensions, there are lofty thoughts lifted up against the true knowledge of God, and our God wants to help us, wants to change us and mold us into what he's given us, this heart desire to follow Jesus, to align with the ways of Jesus, to be one intimate with him. 
So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. That, that phrase in, in verse 5 that says we take captive every thought, we actually live a lot of our life in reacting rather than thoughtfulness. We don't even know what we're thinking. We don't know what triggered us. We didn't, don't know what pushed our button. Like when I was growing up, my, one of my favorite verses was in, uh, it was in Hebrews chapter 4, and it says to provoke one another to love and good deeds. The Scripture actually commands us to, to provoke or, or, or to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Well, in my family, I had an anointing to push my brother's buttons, and I could get reactions from him. I'll, I'll never forget, we were actually on a vacation, and uh, I was doing the loving thing that I was excelling at, was pushing his buttons, and I got a reaction, and, and his foot went through the wall behind me. And uh, because I pushed his button. Now, that's not what the scripture is talking about, right? Right? It's to stimulate us or push our buttons to what? To love and good deeds. But you know, some of us, when we're listening to the radio, or we're listening to a podcast, or when we're reading something on social media, something happens to us and we become another person. We become a reactionary, and, and we get angry, we get frustrated, we speak things like, like the TV or, the, or, or Facebook's really going to respond to us, you know? We get triggered, we, we have this reaction, and, we, and, we, and, and our button gets pushed just really quickly. I tell you, God wants us, we've been talking about walking in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ from Philippians chapter 1, 27 to 30. I want you to know... God wants to, us to know what's going on. He wants us to be aware. You can't fix something of which you're not aware, right? And so the Holy Spirit wants to say, hey, listen, that what you're thinking, what you're processing, what you're feeling, I want to help you deal with that so it won't rule your life because I want to rule your life. And I want to empower you. And I want to strengthen you. And I want you to be whole and healthy. This world needs some amazing examples of Christ-likeness because it's seeing all kinds of evidences. And we have a spiritual culture today. People are looking for spiritual encounter. They're looking for spiritual reality. And I pray that when they see your life and they see my life and they watch us respond in the way that Jesus enables us, we can love our enemies, we can love those that oppose us. We can love those that persecute us. We can forgive the unforgivable. We can be a people who reach out and cross bridges to different cultures and things. That's, that's something that God wants us all to be able to do. And this passage actually says that God has given us divinely powerful weapons for the pulling down of strongholds or the disempowering pretensions, lofty thoughts, ideas lifted up against the true knowledge of God, the true experiential reality of God. And so again, let's just keep this really simple. Matthew 6.10, Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come, 
let your will be done in me, in my attitudes, in my actions, in my reactions as it is in heaven. And so how does that happen? One of the ways that it happens is he gives us powerful weapons. He wants us to be aware. Awareness is a powerful weapon. If you're not aware of what's pushing your buttons, what's triggering you, if you're not aware of the anxiety or the fear or the anger or the past woundedness, then every time you're touched there, it's going to get a reaction. And so God wants us, first of all, awareness is a powerful powerful reality. Take captive every thought, everything that wants to get triggered in us. And it says, and when your obedience is complete, then I can take take authority over every act of disobedience. God wants to help us to be empowered. God wants to help us to be empowered. Like when, when something happens in traffic, which is a great test for us in Houston, Texas, when something happens in traffic or with construction, it's the eternally secure job description, isn't it? Construction. It's eternal here in Houston. They've been working on Beltway 8 at the airport since the 60s. They're going to continue working on that until 2600, I think. And we're going to have to deal with it, right? But we say, we say, well, that person made me angry. Well, that person, that person that treated me unjustly, the cashier, or, or whatever it is. And, and can you believe what that politician said about our country or about me or whatever? And we react, and we don't even know what we're doing. Awareness is a powerful weapon, and as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to partner with the Lord. We want to partner with His Spirit to take captives' thoughts and values and ideas that work against his best for us, and that we want to destroy these default ways of showing up, and and we want to become who Christ wants us to be. Again, when we get anxious or triggered, we want to respond reflectively or thoughtfully rather than reactively. Now, turn in your Bibles. I want you to, we're going to keep talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to hold that thought, but I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's read verses 5 to 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 7. You who are younger, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up at the proper time. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. So we want to be a people who choose to relate with others out of humility. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, actually, with gentleness and respect, we want to relate to people out of humility rather than being a know-it-all or rather than being someone that I'm here to fix you or control you or to change you. And so what happens is, when, we, when we're anxious, we respond unlike Christ. When we're triggered, when our buttons get pushed by whatever it is, by a spouse, by a friend, by a broken culture, we respond in a way that's not how God wants us to show up, and God wants us to show up differently. It actually says, cast all your anxiety upon him. And we know that if, it, that if your wounds, if your hurts, if your fears 
aren't transformed, they're going to be transmitted, right? We know that. That's the reality. And so if we've got anxiety and we're not casting it upon the Lord, if we have that chronic thing that just this angst, this thing that, and, and we respond usually by conflicting or overfunctioning or, or triangling or distancing, if we're dealing with life like that, then when our button gets pushed, we react and that comes out and we're casting it on the other person. And, and God has a better way. The Lord has another way for us. And so what the Lord wants is our desires and practices to become increasingly aligned with those of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ and for those desires and practices to begin to result in our living in to who we want to be with integrity. This is, I want to live in a Matthew 6.10. I don't want to be controlled by my reactions. I don't want my strongholds to control me. I want the Lord to be in charge. I don't want anxiety to tell me what to do. I don't want provocation dictate to me who I'm going to be. I want to be whole and healthy. And so there's values, there's aspirations. And, and so what are your core beliefs about God? Who has God called you to be in this world? Who do I want myself? Who do I want to be in Christ in this world? How do I want to show up? How do I want to invest my life, my time, my energy how do I want to relate to God, to family, to neighbors, to strangers, and even to enemies? What part do I play in this work that God's doing and restoring and making me whole? And so we want to identify there's values that we have based on the Scripture, based on what Jesus has said, and we want to line up with those ways. And the other thing is we want to come to a, a, a maturity. We want to grow up. You know, the scripture actually talks about, there's a, there's a phrase used there all the time that Paul says, man, I wished I could talk to you like an adult, but I'm having to treat you like a baby because you're still on milk. You've been, you've been learning and hearing and you're not growing up. What does he mean? We're not growing up in the maturity of Christ. We're not growing up emotionally. You know, what I've learned years ago is we're actually stuck. Unless you've worked on your emotional maturity, you're actually stuck where you were as a 15, 16, or 17-year-old. That's scary, isn't it? As a matter of fact, in our culture, we actually see examples of people who are stuck as a, as a, as a middle school person, uh, that seventh grade or eighth grade. Have you seen any adults like that who bully people, who, who use conflict? Uh, one day I was, I, was, I was sharing with people about the wrong ways to respond. When you get triggered, we respond, and I mentioned these wrong ways. We conflict. That means we get triggered, we get angry, we're not in control, we've lost, and so we get threatened, so we, we, we conflict. Or sometimes we distance, you know, we just disconnect from people. We disconnect because we've been hurt, we've been wounded. Um, for whatever reason, we distance and ultimately cut off. You know, we talked about in here, there's some of our family trees that whole, whole branches are missing, right? because of, of Grandma Susie or Uncle Bill or whatever. Nobody wants to be around them. And finally, it's just a whole part of the trees cut off. So distancing can even turn into cut off. And, and then over-functioning, under-functioning, when we're in a system and, and things aren't going right, something gets stirred up in us and we've got to fix it. We've got to help it to be right. So we're tempted to over-function. Well, if somebody's over-functioning, somebody's got to be under-functioning, right? And then there's this triangling thing. You know, rather than, 
rather than me having an issue with somebody, say with Jane and going to Jane and talking about it, what I do is I go to somebody else and I talk to them about my problem with Jane. Now, if I go to somebody to help me, to help me go back to Jane and talk with her in a healthy way, that's good triangling, right? So there's good triangles, but there's these bad triangles where it's called gossip, right? And sometimes we do that. We heard that when the Encountering, Encounter God's Presence team was here, talked about there, there's those prayer requests. We're going to somebody for a prayer request about our friend that's really irritating us and they're pushing our buttons and, and we, have, we have no intention of going back to them and getting put together, right? Getting reconciled. We just want, we want to offload and we do it as a prayer request. And so these ways we get triggered and we react in these ways and the Lord's saying, hey, there's another way. There's my way. What do you do when you get stirred up? What do you what do? You do? How, how can you respond in a better way, in another way? So guiding principles, they're just really practical. So I'm going to give you four of my guiding principles. And my reason for doing this is not so you'll live by my guiding principles. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be like Jesus wants you to be. But what I found is over the years, when I hear people telling me, this is what the Lord's doing in my life, this is how I've been showing up, and this is how I want to show up. I want this stronghold gone. I don't want to respond to people out of conflict. I don't, I don't want to bully them. I don't, I don't want to, to, to do that. I don't want to be a distancer or a chameleon. I don't want to just fit. I want to be who God's made me to be. And so when I hear people tell me what God's doing in their life, it inspires me. And actually, I have copied a couple of other people's guiding principles. It was so inspirational. This first one, in difficult conversations, I'm going to be curious, I'm going to be a learner, and I'm going to be non-defensive. So in difficult or hard conversations, how do I want to show up? As I've prayed about it, the Lord put his finger on something in my life that was broken. I get defensive. I get defensive when somebody communicates to me that I'm in the wrong or that I've not done it right, I've got to prove, I've got to prove them wrong. It just, it's like an automatic response. And so I've been working on this one. So when I've got hard conversations or difficult conversations or challenging conversations, how do I want to show up? I spent time praying about it. So those three words, those three words mean a lot to me. So I want to be curious. I want to ask really good questions. I want to find out where they're coming from. I want to be a learner. Maybe there's something that I need to learn, another's perspective, another's experience. But the key word for me is non-defensive. That shows me how I don't want to show up. So I want to be curious and a learner and non-defensive. I borrowed that from my friend, Ken Schumann. When I heard him say that, I just wrote that down because he read my mail. And I said, that will help me. The Lord was putting his finger on it saying, I want to pull down that stronghold of defensiveness in you. That thing that gets pushed, that button that gets pushed in my life. Another one is I want to listen to people and practice dialogue. I want to practice dialogue. And, and dialogue to me is an important word because I was actually, I was raised in a church system and in a family system where it was important to win, to be right and not be wrong. And so I love a good debate. I love to get in there and you can feel the energy in the room as it goes up and actually people get louder because we're louder and we're trying to get our points across. 
And uh, I just, I w- that was what I was raised in. And, and, and we were out to win. That's what we want to do. And, and it was so discouraging to me one day when I heard someone say, does anybody in the room know what the, the definition of the word discussion is? And I said, yeah, it's a conversation. No, it, it comes from the word percussion. Discussion is I want to, it's actually a mild form of debate. I want to have concussive interaction with you and change you and persuade you to think like me. And I was so proud because I'd moved from debate and I was talking about, let, I used to write on our agenda meetings for staff meeting, let's have a discussion today. Let's have a discussion today. And what I meant by that was a complete conversation, but I took discussion out of my vocabulary. Now you don't have to do this. Some of you are gonna, I know some of you online are thinking, I gotta write to that guy because he doesn't know the English grammar, the English language dictionary. I know discussion can be a conversation, but I used it as a mild form of debate because I wanted to win. And now God's taking that, he's taking, well, I wanted to say he's taking it out. Uh, I'm making strides. I'm making progress, right? I have to remind myself. That's why I'm living into this guiding principle. I want, I, I want to listen to people and practice dialogue. My goal in conversation is no longer to win. I want to learn. I, want to ha- I, I don't want to debate. I, want, I don't want to prove myself right or them wrong. I, I, want to, I want to have a complete conversation. I want to learn and I want to do that. A, a third uh, guiding principle that I'm living into is I want to be well differentiated and say what is so for me while working to stay connected with you, no matter what you feel, think, or believe. Now, in our world, we've got this thing called cutoff. We've got this thing called cutoff. And if, and if you don't think, feel, and believe like I do, then I'm not going to have anything to do with you. But you know, Jesus spent time with people his capacity to love people is amazing. And, and he spent time with people that were even putting heavy yokes on people like the Pharisees. It actually says in the scripture that they, Luke chapter 15, they were frustrated with Jesus because he spent time with sinners. Didn't he know who these people were? Why would he take time to be with them? And, and they wanted to live, again, distance. They wanted to live separate. But Jesus was a friend of sinners, Amen. And he continued to stay connected to the Pharisees, even though there were times when he cleaned out the temple. There were times when he, when he differentiated and told them clearly what he said. And there were times when they were trying to trap him, to trick him, to snare him. But because he listened to the Father and he didn't get triggered, God would give him words of wisdom. And Jesus knew how to respond. I want to be like Jesus in the way that when I'm around people, and, and they're thinking differently than me. They're, they're processing differently than me. Their political views or their, their, their family views or, or whatever their views are, I, I don't want to just, I just don't want to put up a stiff arm and step away. I want to learn how to stay connected, but I also want to be able to share who I am and express uh, who I am. Now, I also want to say this. I think it's important to speak up when appropriate. It's important to speak up when appropriate. So I said, I want to be well differentiated. I want to say what I think, feel, and believe. I want to let other people say what they think, feel, and believe, and I want to stay connected. May I tell you, you don't have to show up to every fight that you're invited to show up to, especially on social media. Did you know that? Some of you, when you read something, your reaction is somebody's got to fix them. Nobody's, nobody's doing it. I'm going to volunteer. I'll take the initiative and I'll respond. 
or somebody, you know, they'll do this thing called tagging you or doing things like that. And, and you go, oh, my name's, my name's in there. I've got to respond. Why do you have to respond? You don't have to show up to every fight you're invited to. You don't have to do that, right? So I told you a phrase that I use when I'm with a group of people and they're sharing something very differently than my values and my beliefs. I'll just say in a respectful way, well, I, I see that differently. I'll see that differently. And what that does is that opens the door. If anybody wants to listen to me, then they'll ask, well, what do you mean you see that differently? What does that look like? How, how do you see it? I will say this, out of the number of times that I've used that phrase, I've only been asked less than 10% of the time because the truth is most people don't care, right? So why am I going to share my opinion and tell them how the cow ate the cabbage and tell them how life really works if they don't want to hear it anyway? Proverbs says, why do you do that? Why do you, why do, you do that? Now, sometimes the Lord goes, hey, this is one of those times to speak up, to speak up, even if no one wants to listen, this is one of those times. But see, used to, I couldn't figure out when those times were because I got triggered. And I especially got triggered. I've got to fix people. That's, that's the role of the pastor, right? I got to fix people. People are confused. The role of a Christian, I've got to fix people. They, they're lost. They don't know what to think, feel, and believe. So I want to tell them what they ought to think, feel, and believe. And how's that working for us? How's it working in our culture that we've had this antagonistic, conflicting approach to culture? You know, years ago when I was growing up, we were taught, we were taught this. The schools don't want churches involved with them. We were told that. The schools, you know what they didn't want? They didn't want us to come in and tell them how to do their business. They knew how to educate people. They know education. Did you know that we have hundreds of schools that have been adopted by churches in greater Houston because we went in as servants, we didn't go in as lords. We went in to serve to help change the trajectory of children and a servant can go anywhere. Amen? Now a boss or a know-it-all, or an expert, they, they don't have the same response, right? But if you build relationships and if you interact with people in a humble way, like we read about in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 7, when you do that, and then when people say things, you don't respond and dump your anxiety on them because you can't believe that they're thinking like, if we go in to serve, then it results in an effective partnership that changes lives and, and opens doors and so the testimony of Jesus is advanced. That's happening not only in Houston now, but because of the, the, the Whole and Healthy Children Initiative, but it's happening. Other, other cities in the country are adopting that and adapting that. Isn't that exciting? You, they say they took out prayer out of the schools. And I want to ask when. What student doesn't pray in school? Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God. I'm being serious, right? Right? I mean, we've got students and teachers that God has raised up and sent them as missionaries into that sector of society, and praise God, they're praying all day long. 
They're interceding. They're getting their small groups and they're getting their churches to pray. They're supporting and loving and caring. How are you going to take that out of the schools? How? Now, some of you have just been triggered. And you're going to come up to me after the service and say, Pastor, you just don't know what you're talking about. And we won't have a debate. We'll have a conversation. I want to hear from you. And you'll want to hear from me, right? And we'll share together. I know we live in a broken world. And I wished that, but you know, there's some places in this country where it might not be wise to have state-sanctioned prayer in that school. They don't think, because now today, remember I said we're a spiritual culture? What God are they talking to? So isn't it better to let people choose and to have? And Some of us right now are thinking, man, I wish we could go back to the way it was, right? It was easier back in the day. What was that, 100 years ago? Some of us are thinking you know, it was easier. Hey, the world is changing, right? And it's more complex than ever before. And what worked yesterday, the different, the different approaches and styles and things, our context has changed. How are we going to be salt and light in this context? And I want you to know, I think this is the most exciting time to be in the life than in the history of man. I think it's so incredible what God is doing. And as Pastor Steve has taught us, as we've said over and over, it's going to get brighter and bi- brighter, darker and darker, faster and faster. It's all going to happen together, right? Well, a lot of us wish that it wasn't getting so bad so fast. I do too. I do too. I think about our culture's lost its minds on some values, hadn't it? Wow. But you know what? How are we going to live in this culture? How are, how are you going to live in this culture? You, you are a son. You are a daughter of God most high. You are salt and light. He actually has sent you to your neighborhood, to your family, to that business sector, to that, or that sector of society, whether it's business or media or medicine or the legal, the political, whatever area it is, he sent you there as his ambassador Listen, we we can't rewind the clock and go back, but we can find out what Jesus is doing right now today, and let's get in on it today. Let's partner with him today. So that that programming that gets triggered and says, man, I want to go back to the way it was. That might be, for some of us, we need to let go of that. That's a stronghold, right? The The world is changing very rapidly. It's actually really good that we live in a very spiritual culture. That's good. When I was in another nation years ago, and we were, we were visiting some of the places where there was a stronghold of another religion over the area, I, w- I was just amazed. I was amazed that God was visiting people with dreams, visions, and, and encounters of the Lord, and he was sovereignly saving people. He was pursuing people even in a place where they never heard the gospel. Did you know Jesus is active in your sphere of influence? Let's find out what he's doing and let's bless it and help people progress along. Like this morning, I was really encouraged that in the midst of our worship, the spirit of evangelism was here. 
The spirit of evangel- the Lord was here ministering to someone's heart. By the way, at the end of our service, when we when we have ministry teams, if you gave your heart to the Lord to Jesus today, I want to encourage you to come up front and say, I gave my heart to Jesus today. Let somebody pray with you and celebrate with you. If that's you online, I want to encourage you to email us at email at calvaryhouston.com and tell us, I gave my heart to Jesus. I decided to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and follow the Lord. Our Lord, what is he doing? Are we paying attention or are we triggered or is something happening? So guiding principles, this is all about how do I want to show up well in this season? How do I want to show up like Jesus wants me to show up? So what he's speaking to you might not be what he's speaking to me, but how does he want you to show up? Like right now, we've been talking about this. I can't tell you the number of people that are frozen in fear right now. They can't go places. They can't do things. If that's you, you can be free. You can begin to make progress in that area. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. I know other people that they're triggered right now with anger. They are so mad at the pace of change and the way things are changing that there's a, there's a, a desire for righteousness that's popped up. And, and how can you think that? How can you believe that? Well, what we want to do is we want God to use that, that justice and righteousness in a positive way, right? Rather than a conflicting way, in a, in a, in a reaching out way, in a, and to help us to change things for good, right? So I don't know what's, I don't know, as I've been sharing, I, I shared with you earlier, when I hear somebody telling me what their principles are, their guiding principles, their values, what God's speaking to them, The Holy Spirit has room to speak. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What is he putting his finger on in your life, online or in this room? What attitude? What reaction? What emotion? What trigger? Like like you keep having the same blow up over and over again with this person or this situation, and if they would just change, it would go better. That's what we think, right? What if the Lord's wanting to work on on me? What if the Lord's wanting to change me? By the way, I learned a secret through these years of ministry, actually decades, I've figured out that I can't change anybody. I can suggest, I can conjole, I can encourage, I can I can in you know, invest my time and energy, and and I can reach out in love, but taking responsibility to fix somebody is just beyond my pay grade. And you know what I discovered a long time ago? There are some things in different people's lives. Some of you have not made this journey, and and you have no idea what I'm talking about. I want to thank you that you've not been a controlling person. But, you know, I would try to change people in what I thought they ought to be, And then when they changed and became what I thought they ought to be, I really didn't like being around them as much as I did before. Because I'm not, I'm not creator. I'm, you know, have you ever done that? Have you ever gotten somebody to change and do what you want them to, to do? And then they finally did. And you're going, well, that didn't work out exactly as planned. It's good. The laughter's good, isn't it? We've we've done that. Some of us in the room anyway. 
So a guiding principle is a deeply held belief, conviction, or value that helps us to make decisions in the midst of our daily activity. And a guiding principle needs to be worded. When you word your guiding principle, do it in a way that gives you courage and calls you to action. If you say, I just want to be loving, I want to be a loving person, if that gives you courage and gets you into action around what Jesus is doing around you, then go for that one. For me, that would be too nebulous. It needs to be more specific. What is the Lord asking of me to do? What does it mean? So one of the things is I'm going to choose to love my enemies. People are talking about how people are against them and opposing them. And Jesus doesn't give us any wiggle room there, does he? And then some of us are going, well, I'll love them, but I don't have to like them. Do you see the wiggle? <laughs> we do that all the time, don't we? We need to pull down. We need to take captive those thoughts, those strongholds, those, those things lifted up against the true experience of God. And let's, let's stop tweaking it. And let's just say, Jesus, this is way beyond my capacity. Would you help me? Remember when the, Jesus said to the disciples, you have to forgive? And they said, how many times do we have to forgive? And he said, 70 times seven. Because they said, hey, we forget them a few times. How are we doing? And he went, wow. And some of us are getting a lot of practice at forgiving, right? We've got some people in our lives, and we keep thinking, Lord, better change them. Lord, better change them. Lord, better. And he's going, I want to help you respond differently. And then a guiding principle needs to be accessible. So I've got my guiding principles on my phone in my note application so that in the midst of anxiety or a trigger, I can look it up and say, oh, yeah, that's how I want to show up. That's how I want to be. So some of you, you have a purse, and it is your life. Everything is in that. Then put your guiding principle there in your purse. Or some of you guys, I've seen your wallets. It's, it's like a growth back there. And, and maybe you just write it on paper and put it in your wallet. I didn't think that was that funny. I'm so sorry. I apologize to you online. I just, I didn't know. Yikes. I've given you some application in my notes online. I've given you some spiritual practices to do to help you to find your guiding principles. What is the Lord saying to you? It's at times like this that I pray, oh, Lord, would you blow away everything that's not of you? And would you help us to hear only what's of the Holy Spirit? I'm sure that last one was not. Yeah, some of you are, don't know. I'm telling you, I guess. Would you all stand? We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.